Hi, I'm Jacob. And I'm Jessica. Welcome to Clue Done It, the podcast where we make wild guesses about fake TV crimes. Without any clues, context, or apparently accuracy. All right, let's find out. Who was right. Who was wrong. And who is dead. So, Jessica. Yes, Jacob. As soon as I heard the news last fall, the very sad news of Angela Lansbury's passing, I knew that we would have to go to Cabot Cove again. (laughs) I knew. I feel bad laughing about it, but I knew. I was like, you know what? We can't. We can't let it pass and not revisit one of the, A, the most beloved mystery shows of all time, but also just such a titan like Angela Lansbury. So that's what we're going to do. Here we go. We're going for a murder she wrote again. So not only are we returning to Cabot Cove, though, turns out we know someone who wrote an episode for the show. So we're going to talk with Tracy Friedman later on in the episode. And she wrote, what was the name of the episode she wrote? It is called Witch's Curse. Witch's Curse. that's what we're watching today. That's what we're going to watch. So tell us about Witch's Curse, Jessica. So yes, we are going to watch The Witch's Curse. And it is, for those watching along, it is Season 8, Episode 12. It aired January 12th, 1992, which apparently was Sweeps Week. Right. Tracy let us know that they bumped four other episodes ahead uh, for hers to come ahead into Sweeps Week. They were so week. happy with it. Yeah. Yeah. Really great. And it the, the logline is Cabot Cove suspects a woman playing a witch in a community play is the real thing. And this, I thought, <laughs> when I read it, I thought community play... Uh, oh, they're like doing the crucible or something. But no, right. what she said is this: this is a reenactment. This is a like Salem witch trials. Salem is doing a reenactment of mm-hmm. past historic historical reenactment. That's what the term is. Yes. So it's it is a community play, but it's not like at the community theater. It sounds like it's, or maybe it is. Or maybe it is. But, but it's it's meant to be historical, you know, reenactment. Right, like put it, let's let's put on a play about the town's history and just yes, as yes, as the they town's might. History. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I so that was this is going to be fun. This I'm is really so, exciting. So exciting, yes. Yeah, and I I want to I want to point out for everybody listening at home that we purposely told her not to give us any hints or clues. She was like, "Do you want me to tell you the story?" I'm like, no, 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 you can't do that. We're yeah, guessing yeah. on this. We we can't go in knowing anything. <laughs> So we were very clear. So don't think that we, like, if we get it right, this was all us. Yes. <laughs> right, right. And we're wrong. Well, no, let's, <laughs> let's it's, it's true. We And we're, let's be honest, our track record, pretty much we're going to be wrong. But you never know. Yeah. Hope springs eternal. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. This is going to be really exciting, I think, to see. I, I, it puts me in mind of Gilmore Girls. Because there was oh? an episode, yeah, in Gilmore Girls, you know, Star Hollow, there's uh, it's a cult also... show just like Charmed, <laughs> yeah, Charmed, almost, the Witch, it's, it's, Gilmore well, Girls, no, same, it, same. It take no, it it. What are you talking about? I'm being silly. Gilmore what Girls has no magic. I know. I'm making a joke. <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. No, the, the historical enactment part of it. Because it takes oh, place, right. Cabot Cove is in an East Coast town, and so is Star Hollow. It's in Connecticut near yes. Yale. Or, no, wait, no, it's near Harvard. So I don't really know where Star Hollow is. But at any Nobody rate, it's some, it's some northeastern state, 
And sure. so, of course, they have Revolutionary War stuff. And so they do an reenactment every year. And that means all the dudes dress up as soldiers and then clip clock. Throw off the shackles of the British. And, <laughs> yeah. And uh, what's her name? Has to, makes costumes every year. Then I think one year she's like, I don't want to make co- Lorelei. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to make costumes. I can't remember the storyline. That's okay. Anyway, We're not doing a, a Gilmore fun... Girls yeah. rewatch. Yeah. That's not we us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, when I found that out, when Tracy was saying that, I was like, oh, I, I, hmm, hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So we've got witches. We've got reenactment. And I am told, I believe that even though there are witches in reenactment, this will not be a remake of Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Indeed. But what? Yes. But why don't you tell us a little bit more? We're going to we're going to talk a little bit more about Angela Lansbury again. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about her? Yeah. Well, OK. So her we we were very sad or excited and sad to see her in Glass Onion. Her last work, she did oh, a cameo. I had forgotten um, about Steven that. With yes. Spielberg or Stephen Sondheim, Sondheim. Sorry. Yes. Also passed. <laughs> Stephen Sondheim. Steven Spielberg is still around as far as yes. we know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was a that was a lovely cameo of both yes. to see both of them on screen. And you know, we kind of glossed over her history in their last episode because we were like, oh, she's just so famous, right? Like You all know about her. Sweeney Todd, bed knobs, bed knobs and broomsticks, which I actually <laughs> haven't seen. Harvey Girls, which I mentioned. Yeah. I didn't realize she was also or I think you mentioned the court gesture. She was also in Samson and Delilah. Oh. She was also in the picture of Dorian Gray in 1945. She was in National Velvet and developed a lifelong friendship with Elizabeth Taylor. I didn't know that. Oh. And she was in the original Gaslight, 1944, now where that... that term comes from. Look it up. She was also in the Manchurian Candidate, considered her best work of her, or some of her best work of her entire career. And then, of course, musicals uh, like Mame really put her on the map. She has six Tony Awards, six Golden Globes, and 18... six of those Tony Awards, five of them are competitive. Like she got one Lifetime right. Achievement Award, but like those five, she won five. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Six Golden Globes, 18 Emmy Awards, and a Grammy Award. And she has three Academy Award nominations and Academy Honorary Award. So she has an EGOT. And by the way, I, I was looking this up and I was like, I thought EGOT was an O. What is the O? Oh, it's Oscar. But while I was doing this, she has an Olivier Award. And I was like, do we really have <gasps> the Olivier Awards with all these things? Oh, no, my God. But, but we sh- does anybody else have the EGOT plus an Olivier Award? I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to keep an eye out for That it. is some amazingly rarefied air. Yeah. Yeah, so that was very exciting about her. And I will have a little bit more to reveal about her about oh. in relation to another actress that is in this episode, which I literally was like, what the what? <laughs> so I'm super excited to talk about that. But I, I just want to talk about a couple of other people in this episode. So Please. Okay, great. So um, this is season eight. So Tom Bosley was, to me, like super beloved sheriff. But I didn't realize this. He was only in the show until season four. Really? And Yeah. And so Ron Masak took over as Sheriff Mort Metzger or Metzger, probably. And uh, shortly after Tom Bosley left to do his father, 
they weren't called Father Brown. They were called Father. Oh, okay. So he left for another gig. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just other stuff. But right. I love to watch him. So Ron Masick, so hilarious. Great, great actor. He was known as the king of commercials. And as well as being on Murder, She Wrote, she, he was often introduced as America's most famous face. He was a Chicago mm. actor. He had been in the military. And he was a guest star on so many shows in the 70s and 80s. He was an MC. He was a host. He was a celebrity panelist. He was a host for fundraising events. But a big funny thing about him is he is also considered to be the most famous salesman, quote, since Willie Loman. And I was like, <laughs> this sentence has an interesting beginning. I am wondering where this is going. And then it says, as he starred in four most successful sales motivational films of all time, which I did not know about these. I did not know that they tracked such things, but okay. Yes. So... First, a movie called Second Effort with Vince Lombardi. Okay. <laughs> Second, a sales motivational film called Time Management with James Whitmore. <laughs> a third. Riveting, riveting. <laughs> yes, riveting stuff. Third. <laughs> Where can we find those on the streamers? <laughs> right. Oh, this one. How to Control Your Time with Burgess Meredith. What is Burgess Meredith doing time? I guess the <laughs> residual checks videos. from Batman weren't uh, weren't cutting the cutting it anymore. Yeah, yeah. And then a fourth called You Gotta Believe with Tommy Lasorda. <laughs> oh my god, Just I love keeping that. everybody motivated to sell whatever your thing is, your you widgets. You sell those widgets. Yeah. You get out he there. <laughs> He traveled all over the country as a spokes, uh, spokesman for major for a major brewing company. I don't know which one. It doesn't say. And for 15 years was the voice of Vlasic Pickles. Shut the front door. Yep. Yep. Wow. So he was Respect. in commercials. Yeah. For Brand News, McDonald's, and Tropicana Orange Juice were some of his commercials. I love that he did sales, though. Another character that is a, a regular in this show is played by William Winden. He played Dr. Seth Hazlitt, and he has 282 credits, literally hundreds of TV shows, which I was thought I thought was impressive until I read the bio of another actor who is in this episode as well. So, wait a minute. Will there's somebody in this episode who beats 282 yeah. credits. Yeah. There, I well, well, I can't wait. Please tell me more about this gentleman, though. Okay, so William Winden was in The Fugitive, All in the Family, Dallas, Highway to Heaven, various episodes of Twilight Zone. I'm so he, glad you said Zone at the end of that. I was, I was picturing Twilight. <laughs> yeah, no, Zone, Twilight Zone. <laughs> he was a native New Yorker. He went on to do a number of loungy Southerners and down-home types with incredible ease. And he offered strong support, is the sentence, in his film debut as Gregory Peck's opposing counsel in the in a, To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm. And he left Murder, She Wrote to be in the 1990-1991 TV version of Parenthood. 
to play the Jason Robards part. Oh, it was pri- okay. quickly canceled. And then we've got a boatload of guest stars, as per usual, with Murder, She Wrote. Mm-hmm. And first of all, we have to talk about Marion Seldes. Or Seldes. I'm not sure. I, I should know how to pronounce her name because she is like... She is with Angela Lansbury, like up there in the amazing actor the pantheon world. Pantheon of theater. Pantheon, yeah. So she studied with Stanf- Sanford Meisner, Catherine Cornell, and Martha Graham, and she herself wow. taught. Yeah, she herself taught acting at Juilliard from 1967 to 1991, and she also taught um, starting in 2002 at at Fordham University. Her students include Oscar winners. Uh, like William Hurt, Kevin Klein, Robin Williams, Emmy Award winners like Kelsey Grammer, wow. Laura Linney, and Tony Award winners like Patti Lapone and uh, other actors like Christopher Reeve. She made her Broadway debut in 1948 in a production wow. of Medea directed by John Gilgood. And her in her career, she was nominated for a Tony Award five times, winning her first nomination for Edward Albee's A Delicate Balance. And she was associated with him in three other shows, or three total, Three Tall Women, um, which she did the non-Broadway mm-hmm. premiere of that in 1993. Also Tiny Alice in 1962. She has an extensive career in movie, television, and radio. She was in Gunsmoke. She was in Perry Mason, Frasier, Sex in the City, Murphy Brown, Mona Lisa Smile, wow. Leatherheads. She appeared in every one of the 1,809 Broadway performances of Death Trap, a feat that earned her a mention in the Guinness Book of World Records as the most durable actress. <laughs> She was also known for her readings of short stories on selected shorts, which we'll give PBS. Her the, we'll give her the we'll give her the G and E got for for the Guinness Book of World Records. Yes, there yes, you go. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that's great. Yeah. Oh, not so sorry about the selected shorts. That's a NPR thing. So she last appeared on Broadway in 2007 in Terrence McNally's Deuce, okay. and I was like, as I was reading that, I was like. Hold on a second, because I had revisited my Angela Lansbury research for this episode, and I remember seeing a picture of her that's captioned Angela Lansbury and Deuce. And I was like, wait a minute, what year was she in that? And I realized, oh, holy crap, they were both in it together. Okay. Because it's Deuce, it's about a tennis partners. Oh, okay. I was really afraid it was about something else. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. The production marked Lansbury's first time on the Broadway stage since her performance in the 1983 revival of May. This was, it's basically a two-hander. I mean, there were some other Mm -hmm. characters in the show, but it's basically a two-hander. She was nominated. Angela Lansbury was nominated for the Tony Award for Best Performance by a Leading Actress in the Play, but she lost to Julie White for A Little Dog Laughed. But let us read a review. Oh, no. Of this show. Because, holy moly, people, reviewers. Okay. In his review in the New York Times, Ben Brantley called the play a, quote, flimsy excuse for a comedy. Okay. And a, quote, grab bag of synthetic scraps of sentimental truisms and grumpy old broad humor. He added, 
Angela Lansbury is so vitally and indelibly present that she even occasionally gives flesh to a play as wispy as echoplasm. Ectoplasm? <laughs> yeah, ectoplasm, with a T, sorry. Yes. And she comes close to creating something like a fully woven character out of the random threads she's been given. <laughs> oh, I mean, jeez. Bringing what in, did like, you really think Yeah, yeah. And then Eric Grody, or Grode, of the New York Sun described the play as, quote, moldy new comedy <laughs> that has stumbled onto Broadway with the grace of a John McEnroe temper tantrum. This dispiriting waste of talent and time oh exists God. solely to let two grand dams of theater engage in a sort of banter and bathos that went out of style with the gin game. The, that these exchanges generate even a tiny handful of laughs has everything to do with the formidable pair of actresses and virtually nothing to do with Mr. McNally or director Michael Blakemore, who appears to have staged the play when he had a few hours to kill one afternoon. <laughs> it's like, jeez. Jeez. Oh, my God. Sass. <laughs> That, but that, is, I want... that is more than sass. That is vitriolic acid. That is yes. holy smokes. Okay. Then he just poured all over it. Yes. Yeah. Well, despite all that, in 2010, Seldes received the Tony Lifetime Achievement Award, and she said, All I've done is live my life in the theater and loved it. If you can get an award for being happy, that's what I've got. Aw. Like, that's so beautiful. That's, that's so that wonderful. Nice. Yeah. So really exciting, really exciting to see her. And after what Tracy told us about her appearance. Yes. Oh, yes. My, gosh, oh my gosh. I cannot wait to see this. We, we won't, we won't spoil it. Actually, we can't, you, you can't well, wait well, Why to not? See let's, it. let's spoil it here. Let's play, let's play a little bit of the interview right now. And let's let Tracy describe the appearance of Saldez in this show. Do you want me to tell you the story of the episode? No, actually. Oh. Well, because we're gonna no, we're gonna we watch that episode, and we're gonna and we'll guess on it. If you could give us a logline of it, like what would you say the logline of it was? We'd love to hear that. The town of Chabot Cove is staging an historical recreation of a witch trial. They cannot find a leading lady, just as the auditions are ending. The doors to the town hall blow open and this beautiful young woman dressed all in black with black hair standing there with thunder and lightning behind her and she appears to be a recreation of Rachel Abbott. Okay. Yeah, that is that, that's an opener. <laughs> yes. Wow. And were you were you on set as well for this? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. so so um, well, I can tell you another funny story, which you may not have time for. So anyway, this is back in the day when you delivered the scripts in person. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, today you would just email it. But so I delivered this, the final draft of the script and it was lunchtime. And nobody was around. So I just gave it to the secretary and I was, you know, waiting for a call from the executive producer or one of the supervising producers, you know, because I, you, you have to do a first draft, a second draft, and then a polish mm -hmm. if they want a polish. That's in the contract. So I didn't know if they wanted a polish or notes or whatever. 
I didn't hear from anybody. Days are going by and I didn't hear from anybody because, you know, I lived with my glass half empty. I'm thinking, oh my God, they hated it. (laughs) It's It's a very writerly thing, yes. And so I went on a trip up the coast. I drove up to Monterey and went to the Hearst Castle and I came back. I still don't hear anything. And so my, I called my agent. I said, I just think they just it was not like it. It must have just off. And so she called up David and said, my client's in tears. She thinks you hated her script. What's going on? She said, hated her script? We just loved it. We like shoved four out of four episodes out of the lineup to bump this one up for sweeps. So we started shooting it on Monday. Wow. wow. Oh, I felt much better. Yes. yes. That's, that's a great thing to hear. <laughs> yeah. Um, but see, this is the nature of television. The people who run these shows are so overwhelmed with responsibility. You think, well, why couldn't he pick up the phone and just say, love the script? Don't have time for it. Yeah. Just don't have time. So anyway, he did invite me out to lunch and then we went on set and I was there the day they shot the scene where the doors blow open and the reincarnation of Rachel Abbott appears and they had a fan. It must have been 12 feet in diameter, you know, the blew in all this dust and leaves and her hair garments and the doors and it was it was very exciting that's fantastic wow yeah. and and they were very very nice to me and very complimentary and everybody really liked the episode so that was a good day mostly i hate being on sets because it's boring mm-hmm. and the writer really has nothing left to do i mean it's out of the writer's hands so you're just sitting around and it's boring (laughs) but at least in this case you know they were really nice to me and the actors kept coming up to me and saying how much they enjoyed it because see it was so theatrical Mm -hmm. that the actors actually got to dig their teeth into something that was really fun for them So, yes, that was a little bit from our interview with Tracy. We will release the whole interview next week on its own. But for now, we're going to continue on with the rest of the show and the guessing here. Is there anybody else we need to talk about? Yes. So there's going to be another actress in this who I think is going to be kind of a big deal. Julie Adams plays a character named Eve Simpson. Mm -hmm. And she's all about Eve. Yeah. Yeah. She was a classic movie Western heroine. She is one of those actresses who had her legs insured for $125,000 by Lloyd's of London. I don't know how many people, this seems to have happened occasionally in in LA, like, you know, in Hollywood. But anyway, she was, this is the first person I've come across that like, well, actually, that's not true. My grandfather... Your grandfather did not have his legs no, insured no, for hundred twenty five. But in when he lived in Reno, he lived next door to some actress who had been a a, a mayor, Louis B. Mayer, you know, girl, mm-hmm. you know, sure. on contract in the 50s. You know, she told me all about having to learn elocution. And I'm pretty sure her legs were insured at some point. Okay. But I don't know. 
So I, maybe I have met somebody who who did that. But this is my first time coming across it in somebody's description. This actress was in Creature from the Black Lagoon and a bunch of other stuff in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and 90s, actually. She she worked for a long time. Okay. And then... <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. I'm so excited. So Marianne Saldez plays Lydia Winthrop. But then there's a guy whose character is called Charles Winthrop. So somehow he's related to right. Lydia. And he is played by... Char- or he's played by Robert Vaughn. Do you know who Robert Bond no, is? No, tell me who's Robert Bond. Robert Bond was Napoleon Solo in The Man from Uncle. No. Nope. Did you ever watch that show? Oh my no. gosh, crickets from you. Seriously? <laughs> Sorry. Did you watch The Magnificent Seven? I- I've seen the m- movie? No. Oh my God, Jacob. Okay, well, we're going to watch this episode and I'm going to look at you, you and so, be like, you, you know so this guy. Okay, you but have why are to you know so this excited? guy. I just I remember him. I loved that show, and he it, he was one of the original like hot guy TV. Sh- there it is. Like <laughs> very good looking men year, on television. Seven year old Jessica watching the good looking men on television. That's fine. Yeah, cool. yeah. It was, was him also, and Eric Estrada. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> he was on the A team for a little bit. He had a thirteen episode arc, I guess, or maybe recurring role. And he has altogether 344 credits. He did 200, wow. 200 guest roles in the 50s and 60s on TV. The oh guy worked so much. God. And literally, his first role was as a spear carrier in the Ten Commandments in 1956. Like, can you imagine going from... Being a, you know an extra basically in the Ten Commandments to like coming me all the way talking up and be- to you yeah. and talking about well, him on a like, podcast just the, just the idea of being like a spear carrier in Ten Commandments I mean that's in the fifties all the way to like the nineties when you're like a guest star on this role like that's a forty year career man that's in- yeah. That's, no, that's he impressive. worked up until like almost till his death. He the, his last film was released after his death. His death, posthumously, right? That's the posthumously. Word. Yeah. What year was uh, that? That was uh, two thousand sixteen. The oh movie was released God. in two thousand seventeen. Sixty years. Yeah. Sixty years that man was working. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Okay, one other guy I just want to talk about. This is another one. You can't cut this, this is out. Why we, I this swear is why, to God. This is why we come back to the show. Look at this. This is okay. Please tell me. Okay, so this guy, and he's he's kind of a regular too. He plays Judge Willard Clinton mm-hmm. in Cabot Cove and on Murder She Wrote. The actor's name is Ed Nelson, and Ed was originally aiming for a career in the legal profession until he caught the acting bug during his second year of college. This is why you got to wear masks, people. This is why you got to wear, gotta masks. wear masks. You got to wear masks? Yeah, you oh, can't the- catch the acting bug. <laughs> it's just not good. Yeah. He was going to have a nice, unhappiness and stable, solid career as an accountant, and he caught the acting bug. No, mm. as, a, as, a, as a lawyer. As a lawyer. He was going to be See, in the legal better. profession. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> so he headed off to New York City, 
where he studied direction and production at the School of Radio Technique. And he returned to his native New Orleans, where he worked as an assistant director at uh, WDSU-TV. He also narrated and sometimes wrote episodes of the New Orleans-made TV series N.O.P.D. with Stacey Harris. And he made an acquaintance of Roger Corman. When the Maverick movie maker came to du- came to Louisiana I love to that. to shoot the feature Swamp Woman <laughs> or Women, it's plural, Swamp Women. Nelson says he did everything on the picture, from playing a part yeah, and working as a location he manager. Corman. <laughs> he wrestled an alligator, and then he went on to work in many Corman movies. He, when Corman's Hollywood, so he went to Hollywood to work with Corman, uh-huh. including Attack of the Crab Monsters, where he played a crab, and then. Later, this is so funny. It says later in later years. I wonder Nelson, if he used some of that whatever. crab technique in this role here in like in yeah, Murder we'll, She like, I'm we'll excited see, to see. See if he moves sideways, how his sideways <laughs> movement is on this. I'm sorry, I cut you off. Stage right, stage right. Stage, right. stage left. No, stage left. Left, left, left. <laughs> so in later years, Nelson became one of TV's hottest stars via the nighttime soap opera Peyton Place. He did 500 episodes. This show was 1964 episodes? to 1969. 500 episodes of a show in five years and became the one of TV's hottest stars. This episode that we are seeing him in is 1992. And he was crazy famous in the 60s. Wow. That is bonkers to me. Yeah. So... And there's another actress in this who was famous. She received a Tony Drama Desk and a Theater World Award for her performance in Promises, Promises. I mean, this thing is, this show is packed solid with very talented people. I mean, I think I've covered the the most amazing people here. This is going to be a pretty amazing episode. But like what, like, it just, it just goes to show, like what we were talking with Tracy when we were setting everything up, she she shared a story where she was talking about how like her residual from this has like outstripped anything else because this show is on TV apparently twenty four hours a day. Like there's someone somewhere is watching Murder <laughs> She Wrote. But like you look at like all of the talent that they like this was just an episode, and that's who they had on this. So it just it, yeah, there's a reason it was there's a reason it was so popular. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, so, yeah. Do we have a bingo card? Well, yes, we do. I mean, it's, it's Murder, She Wrote. It's Murder, She Wrote. Yeah. It's a cozy mystery. You know what Crime, this is. Crime, drama, mystery. Yeah, yeah. There you and go. And you're right. Tracy even called it cozy mystery. Yeah. So, so yeah. And that's, I think, largely, it, there's no violence. That's one of the things. And that's why Jessica Fletcher, or Jessica Fletcher, that's why Angela Lansbury was attracted to it as well. I, I mean, as well, in the last episode we did of this, we talk about how she was trying to continue her Miss Marple Mm-hmm. Right. Her interests yeah. in pursuing Miss Marple. And this was kind of like that, but it was also not violent. And so there were these puzzles, but you weren't having to deal with blood and gore. And she right. liked that. It must have been a nice break for what's his name, who had been doing a lot of Corman stuff. <laughs> he didn't have to fight any alligators. <laughs> no alligator, no wrestling alligators. That was probably all in his past by the time we got here. But you're it's right, still right. it's still in our future. So let's go watch the opening of this and we'll come back with some guessing. See you soon. 
While watching a TV murder mystery, do your pets get annoyed by your guessing who done it during the show? Do they celebrate when you totally got it almost right? Should someone recognize you for your occasional spot on guesses? Well, then you need a Clue Done It private investigator license. Our license grants you all rights and responsibilities of a TV crime investigator, including pausing and rewinding to get a second look at the clue, giving citations to guest stars for hamming it up, and of course, making wild guesses at TV mysteries with us in your very own home, office, or car. To get your license, go to cluedoneitpodcast.com and click Become a PI. Give any amount and this special license will be yours. Best of all, we'll recognize you on the podcast. That's cluedoneitpodcast.com and click Become a PI to make your wild guesses official wild guesses. Clue Done It PI license is totally fake. The podcast adjudication board based in a mountain in Squamish, Canada is totally fake also. This license does not specifically prevent your pets from lodging complaints about your accusations or your friends from expressing concern over your hasty murder boards. Jessica, Jessica, I think, I think this might be the most we have ever watched a show. We oh, are... really? Well, okay. Most we've ever watched of an hour-long show. Yeah, for sure. We're 25 minutes in. We're 25 minutes. (laughs) For a murder she wrote. This had to have thrown everything off for me. Because I always was like, we know by, you know, there's a guest by this time and another guest by this time. And then at this commercial break, this is like, this is this is what the the show was the basis for for me believing in this podcast concept because I was like, oh yeah, I did this all the time when I were I I practically would have done, you know, like a science fair, like anthropology, <laughs> like you would have just broken you know, down the show. You would have yeah, yeah I would have. Because, yeah, I didn't know what science yeah. – I mean, I didn't really – I, I, I love that you don't – like, I didn't know from science, but breaking <laughs> down a show I could have done for you. <laughs> well, I mean, I've told you – I think I've talked about it on this show, how the big earthquake we had in Calif- in Northern California in mm-hmm. 1989, 89. 89, yeah, mm-hmm. that I went home from it and started watching the news and, like, all – there were three – three four major news stations three i think at the time and i just flipped between them and like was writing down all the crazy news they were reporting and then like fact checking it later to be like how much of this was like fake and it was the way for me to like deal with like obviously this like total crazy fear but like watching how the news was reporting it and i remember i told some people this at school and this one guy was like you're fucking crazy (laughs) i was he turned out to be a gigantic cokehead so i was like okay i'm crazy but at the time somebody else was like that would be like a science fair project like a sociology science fair project reporting on like whether you know how do people report news in traumatic situations um anyway uh, Agreed. That absolutely would be. When the traumatic situation here is that the judge in town has been pushed out of a church bell tower. Yes. Yes. That is well. It's not the only trauma though, because we've had a break in. Right. The break in happened at Winthrop's house. At the Winthrop's house of Lydia. Is it Lydia and Charles Winthrop? Yes. Yeah. So Lydia and Charles Winthrop, they have someone has broken into their house and opened the safe and not taken anything from their wall safe. Lots of jewels, but nothing was taken. But rose petals 
were laid around. That was one of them, yes. And then Nate, the insurance salesman, his... His, his, his record uh, shed. <laughs> yeah, his shed in the backyard was burned to the ground. Of, yeah. With yeah, a pentagram painted on the, on the door. door. Yeah. And Which, so, go on. Yeah. So the police didn't see that, because but, burned down. you know, we did. We did as the, as audience. the audience. And then Nate's wife also is like, oh, no, I saw the pentagram on the outside. This was not accidental. So, yes. And then, of course, the magistrate, the judge... Uh, I, what is the judge's name? I forget the judge's name. The judge's name is Judge Willard Clinton. That's right. Judge Clinton. Yes, yes, yes. Judge Clinton. And this is the guy who was in all the Roger Corman movies. Okay. And on Peyton Place. <laughs> okay. So well, audiences would be like, oh, I know who this guy is. Right. Right. Okay. So all three of those people have had something happen to them. And they've had something happen to them by the new woman in town who she's blown into town. Her name well, is... Well, that's what they think. That everybody, right. everybody thinks, thinks that, she's, that she's doing she's, it. She's, everybody thinks that she's doing it. Yes, you're right. And she is a new woman in town. Her name is Mariah Osborne. Nobody knows who she is, but she is a young lady who is dresses like Wednesday Adams. Yes, we all said. <laughs> and she... she, she, she mm. She bursts into the audition sequence for the reenactment of the witch trial and literally bursts in like the doors fly open and there's wind and leaves and it's just a lot of fun. <laughs> and then she goes and visit Lydia and Charles, Win- Charles Winthrop, right? Lydia and Charles Winthrop. Yeah. And Charles Winthrop has a broken leg. His wife apparently hired some mover or some workers to fix their stairs. And apparently he slipped and fell down them and broke his leg. And. This is a PG-rated show, but this might be the most erotic scene of this <laughs> series ever. Yeah, so his, it was. His, it was incredibly suggestive. Like, just like, oh my gosh. So his leg is subject to cramps. And as Lydia is there, so, no, not Lydia, Mariah. Mariah goes because she borrowed Lydia's scarf from the audition the night before. And so she's there to return Lydia's scarf. And but his leg has cramps, and she's like, "Oh, well, let me help you with this." So, like she, he has uh, like this Velcro boot on his leg, and she's just like, "Let me just undo this for you," and like unzips the Velcro from his foot, and then starts massaging his foot, his foot in air quotes, <laughs> which you can't see, and she's just like. Just let me work this and let's just let just breathe into this. And he's like, like there's a the kind of shot to his face where he's just like, What? What are you doing? Oh, that's so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, what is oh yes, of course. She's playing with his foot. <laughs> and it's this is like this. And is, of course, that's when his wife That's comes when in his the wife walks in and, and like, she is dun, dun, dun. she is appalled that he would let somebody massage his foot. <laughs> Anyways, I would be. I would be too, especially if his face looked like that. (laughs) Yes, yes. So what are you doing? You walk in the house and start touching my husband's foot. And she is. And whoever this actress is, I forget her name. I think you've said it, but the 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 character of Mariah is like played as incredibly bewitching, ha pun intended, and breathy. Like she's just. Oh, I just don't know. Oh, like she's like she's. She would be flouncing if she were the type of person to flounce. But as previously mentioned, she's Wednesday Adams, so she doesn't flounce. 
But she does flirt hard. She th- So after she sees yeah. Charles, then she goes to the insurance agent. And the insurance yeah. agent is Nate. Yeah. Nate, Nate is playing the prosecutor in the trial. And she, so Mariah is renting a house. Mariah, yeah, Mariah is renting a house which is in horrible repair. And everybody's like, why is she renting that house? Why is she renting that house? And she wants to get it insured for fire damage. And Nate is like, why? Like, usually the owner gets fire insurance. Why do you want fire insurance? And she's like, I just do. And she's like, oh, by the way, where are your, like, maybe you can look into the records. Old house. (laughs) Maybe, maybe there's been a fire there before. And he's like, well, I'd have to check my records, which are in the shed. And then the next scene. Behind my house. Behind my house. Well, you just gave it away. And now the shed has burned down. And then the next day in rehearsal, Mariah flirts hard. Like, doesn't flirt hard. She literally comes on to the judge. And she's just like, because the judge and she are talking about Rachel, the Rachel Abbott, the woman who was tried as a witch. She's playing. They were just like, the judge came and tried to get her to repent. And she said no. And that's why she was burned. And Mariah was just like, well, if he. The judge looked like you. I'd think twice about that. And he's like, ha, ha, ha. So when he finds a note on his car telling him to come to the church at 10 p.m., he does. He goes to the church and he finds rose petals being dropped from above him on the staircase. He goes up the staircase. He sees somebody. It looks like a woman. We only see the silhouette. It looks like her. It, it looks really like does. the witch with like long, straight hair. It really does. And he gets pushed out of the bell tower of the church and he falls to his death. So, yeah. and throughout all of this, another one, there's somebody else you have to, we have to pay attention to whose name is Penelope. And I'm not sure how, like, I don't think she's like in related to any of these men in any way. Like I, like she's not no. married to Charles. She's not married to Nate, the insurance person. I don't think there's anything to do with the no. judge, but she definitely wants to play the part of Rachel Abbott. So so she's a person of interest to look out for, too. So the pressure's on, Jessica. The pressure's on. We have so many clues, 25 minutes of a show. Like, if we don't get this right, well, I mean, we're going to keep going on, but I'm going to feel really embarrassed. Well, I don't know, because here's the thing. The silhouette, they're, they're definitely doing a good job of hiding it, because the silhouette, they of the person that kills judge Mm -hmm. the judge looks like her it is like her silhouette like i feel like i saw bangs but it was (laughs) definitely she has bangs yes and and like all the rest of the actresses i mean maybe that's a thing maybe it's actually a man who's doing it but Mm. all the rest of the actresses they so lydia winthrop has like a uh, not a helmet hair, but she has like that triangle cut, you know, the wedge yeah. cut that's like right at her chin, kind of. But it, but it Almost puffs out. Kind of yeah. yeah, it's a bob like, no, and it well, puffs maybe, whatever. out yeah, sure. around her, kind of like right at her chin level. And then Penelope has this hair that's like straight around her head, her the top of her head down to her ears, and then it puffs out in like yes. tons and tons and tons of curls, tons like, and tons of hairspray uh, curls. Like, like a character from Peanuts yes. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, those are our two women. Someone should do a sociological exam of all the hairstyles from these 80s shows is what they <laughs> should do. Yes. Hairstyles of the 80s and class consciousness. Yeah. By the way, I did look up the costume designer for the show. I did not look up the hair person. I can go back and do that. But the, the costume person is still doing work, and this wasn't even her first thing. But she just won two 
Emmys, well, like in successive years for Hacks because oh, she's wow. on that show. And but she's done tons and tons and tons. Well, if, of you, work. if she's still working like now, like thirty-five years after the show, or thirty years after the show, yes, yes, she's won yeah. Emmys. Oh, it, hilarious! She got her big start on Cocktail. <laughs> the Tom Cruise movie yes, where Tom, he's yes. juggling or what's it called? Enter bar what's it bartending? Oh, yeah, bartainment. Who knows? Bartainment. Yes, where you're like throwing the bottles up in the air and juggling them yes. and stuff and making drinks. Yeah. Hilarious. But that's not what we're uh, guessing on. <laughs> but no, we're not guessing on that. Yeah. So I mean, the camera's really making it hard for us to who see does any she clues. Rent, who does she rent the house from? Somebody mentions this oh. early on that she's renting the house from somebody. Who's she renting I it missed from? that. I totally missed that. Oh, by the way, when the cops go to she she asks them over, right? To the house? Or no, no, no. They because she's kind of a suspect because she knows where probably they the Winthrop suspect that she knows about their safe. Yes. And so they she might have gone into the safe. They they tell the cops that. And so the sheriff and his deputy go to her house to ask her for her her alibi. And she has a black cat and she has two mm-hmm. cauldrons brewing yes. <laughs> in the dining room. Dry supposedly, ice. yeah, supposedly cleaning off her breasts knobs and things from the house but when they're walking up to the house the deputy sees says oh this is really creepy like something out of the adams family and i yes. kind of went ha ah, because that set is actually used in the munsters uh-huh. <laughs> according to imdb well good i don't job, know why IMDb. they would make a reference to the adams family when they meant that maybe they must have think, been on different networks or something i think it, maybe it's also probably just like just like this it's an in-joke for people to get in any event she yes, also so Mariah also Mariah that. also mentions at some point that she's buying all this paint because she wants the house to look like it did in the pictures. And yes. Jessica's like, "Oh, what pictures?" And she's like, Jessica "Oh, Fletcher. I, I, Jessica yeah. Fletcher is like, "Oh, what pictures?" And Mariah's just like, "Oh, I'm I guess I just meant like pictures of old Victorian houses." So, like in my brain, this is a family thing for her. Like I think she's there to investigate mm-hmm. what happened to her family. Somebody drove her family out of town. And maybe there was a fire there and her parents had to leave or something like that. That's what I think is going on. So I I don't think she's behind it. Like, just judging from from the fact that Penelope wants her role, right now I'm leaning towards Penelope. Penelope's doing all of this just to, like, get her out of town so that she could play this role. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then you also think, well, Lydia maybe would want her you know it seems sort of like that stern well cold, lydia d- yes yeah, east coast waspy lady mm-hmm. who is sort of like and is already um, trying to murder her husband gothic... what oh i think oh. she's totally trying to murder her husband like the whole like her him slipping down the stairs i think that was totally either her pushing her her pushing him or somehow setting him up to fall i absolutely think that she is oh. trying to kill her husband Wow. Okay. So are you going to say she did it? No, I don't. Th- this is the thing. I really do think it was Penelope. I think it was Penelope who wants to discredit Mariah and get the role. But I don't think that she wants, I don't think she wanted to actually kill the judge. I think she just wanted to scare the judge and maybe like push him out onto the thing. But but maybe, maybe she did. Maybe something will come out. But I, I, mean, I do think it was Penelope. I mean, he had to go through windows. 
Yeah. Like, it wasn't just an opening. It was a full-on window, wasn't it? Like Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. And it was shutters. Like, he, like, burst shutters. through shutters because, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, he, don't get me wrong. He was pushed hard, but I'm not sure she meant to kill him. I think she was just, like, wanted to scare him and, like, because she also... Because the, the note on his car that said, meet me here at 10, was definitely in a woman's handwriting. Now It was very pretty handwriting. It was very yeah. pretty handwriting. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. Men can fake women's handwriting. But I do think it was a woman who wrote that. So I do. I think, I, I think it's either like Penelope or Lydia. That's my take on it. What are you thinking? Hmm. Well, I was going to guess Lydia. Because it's played by Marion Seldes. And so, so you're thought, just going with well, the guest star. You're just going with the guest star. Yeah. The, she's going to give us a good monologue at the end. Because so far <laughs> she hasn't said a whole lot. She hasn't. And so I think she's going to give us a good like villain monologue at the end about explaining why she did it. And it's really going to be like Emmy worthy. Okay. This is the like I see I I am I'm sticking with Penelope because I think that this is just a fake out. I I don't give me like I said I do think that Lydia is trying to kill her husband Charles. 100%. 100% think that she's trying to kill her husband Charles. But I do think that this is basically Penelope trying to discredit Mariah and push her out of town just so that she can get the role. Mm. Mm. That's what I think. Mm. And she is just in town. Because she's trying to solve some sort of, I think she's there to recapture some family history. Family history. I think like I think her the family word. was, and maybe because she's definitely looking to solve things. Because she was asking about the history of the house. Yeah. So I think, and she, then I, she added on to her monologue in the historic yes. enactment. She went to the the records at the library and then, like, memorized her whole actual speech. Yes, the, like there there were transcripts transcriptions which I God, God bless. <laughs> yeah. How how the how the original transcriptions from the 1600s have managed to survive in this small town like yeah. courthouse records <laughs> which I mean maybe it has, maybe it did, but like but not like not in any kind of special room and not need any kind of special gloves to touch. Just sure sure go ahead. Open yeah. this open this book from the 1600s with you. Yeah. The and 80s the, were different. So far the biggest crime has been how they're treating archival material. So, yeah. Yes, <laughs> you're hilarious. So, do you think that Penelope also burned down the shed and also broke into the Winthrop's thing? Is yep, I think that she's doing everything. Safe? Okay. Well, Okay, I got to pick something else. Do you know who is Eve Simpson? Who is that? Eve is the... um. Oh, is she the woman who read the role, but she was older and after Penelope, and then they rejected her, and she was like, I would like to do some other lines. Yes, I think that's who that is. Yes, that is who Eve is. Yes. Because she's she is about to get the part when Mariah walks in. Yes, that is who Eve is. I think she did it. We haven't seen much of her. Because she kind of looks a little like Marion Seldes. Oh, oh, I think you're right. Because, and I'm going to, so if it's an all about Eve situation. It's a reverse all about Eve. Well, not even. But I, I, okay. So I was going to say her, but then I'm kind of, I'm kind of waffling because I also think that Marion Seldes is, I think her, Lydia Winthrop. 
Again, I still think Lydia is trying to kill I her know husband. you think she's just trying to kill her husband, but I think she might be. Except for the fact that she was holding, she came downstairs. I mean, this was all for the camera, but she came downstairs and saw that the safe was open and then was touching the flowers and looking at them super quizzically. Yes. It just could be either Penelope or Eve. I still don't understand why she would burn down the the shed. But that's yeah. the other thing. Lydia Winthrop was standing outside the door and heard that whole conversation that Nate You're right. had about You're right. the shed. And this is why and there are so many great suspects. Shed. That's why this is such a great show. Good job, mm-hmm. Tracy. Okay. I changed my I'm changing my guess. It's Marion Seldes. You're you're why going with Lydia. The flowers though. Oh no. Oh no. I'm I've got it. I've got it. Okay. Here's the thing. Remember that the 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 murder she wrote that we watched before mm-hmm. had like multiple suspects. Multiple, multiple crimes. suspects and multiple crimes and multiple people who did it. They did different things and all the things intersect. And so you think, oh, it's the same person. But no, it's different people who have done different things for different reasons. So do we think that somebody – do we think that this is a cahoots situation? Yeah. Or I think that – okay, so somebody broke in to their safe, Mm -hmm. uh, the Winthrop safe. Mm -hmm. And then – and I think that – Mrs. Winthrop, Lydia Winthrop, doesn't know who did it, but she's looking at these flowers and she's like, huh, this gives me an idea. And then she goes to the insurance thing or insurance. She hears that whole business. Oh, no, wait. There are no flowers there. She just burns down the shed with the. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, interesting. I think she recognizes Rachel, too, maybe from the past. And that's why she's not saying much. We just get a lot of looks. A lot of glares. So so maybe she burned down the shed because she was trying to... Keep her, like, keep innocent, keep herself and her history innocent out of it all. Yeah, yeah. Like, maybe she had been a fire starter and burned something down. Yes, she did. She burned stuff down in the past. And so now she's burning this thing down. No flowers. And then I think she ends up murdering the, hmm. What, what does she have against the judge? We just don't know. Well, I think what it is is that I, I, if it's anything with her, I do think it has to do with, like, her, the, her husband's leg and whether or not she was going to, like, insurance money or something like that. Like, that's, the, oh. that's, I think, a logical thing there. But Oh. Yeah, maybe she, maybe some, okay, okay. And then the judge had those flowers throwing thrown over him. And that could easily be her with the scarf over her head to yeah. look like long straight hair instead of yes. her short hair. So then she she throws the judge out the window. I, I definitely mm-hmm. thought that it could be a scarf. Don't give me, like definitely thought that it could be a scarf. But I, yeah. you know, I'm sticking with Penelope. That's fine. You stick with Penelope. I'm just trying to come up with my guess here. Okay, fine. But yeah, I think that Eve Simpson has some has done some part of this and Lydia Winthrop has done other bits of it. But I don't know why. Or, or I, I do agree that there's something to do with wanting the role and wanting to frame her. But then I think, yeah, that there's something that she's done in the I think that Lydia Winthrop has done something bad in the past and like burned down a house and she wants that in, that information hidden, and so she burns down the shed. 
Yeah, so she's got something to do with it. This is a really poor guess of mine, but I think it's both of them. And you think it's both of them? Yes. Okay, okay. Well, you're hedging your bets, and I've got mine on this on a spurned actress, <laughs> and that's that's where we're at. All right, we got 21 minutes. Let's find out how this goes. Can't wait. Hello, investigators! It's March, and that means it's tournament time. Hey. Watching American college basketball may not be your thing, but since you're here at Clue Dunnett Podcast, we think we've got a bracket tournament that is totally your thing. It's our first ever TV detective tournament. Here's how to play. You vote for this year's fan favorite detective in daily matches posted on Instagram stories for 24 hours each game, starting Thursday, March 16th through Monday, April 3rd. The tournament kicks off March 16th with a matchup between vintage 80s Inspector Morse versus totally now Charlie Kale from Poker Face, and it goes on from there. 15 games, a new game, new match, almost every single day. You decide who wins. Follow at Clue Podcast on Instagram and vote in Instagram stories to whittle down 16 total TV detectives until there's only one survivor. I mean winner, winner. I, I do mean winner. See the game schedule, matchups, and winners on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. And remember to vote on Instagram stories. Make sure your favorites come out on top by telling your friends and family to join us on Instagram at Podcast and play the only bracket that matters, the 2023 TV Detective Tournament, March 16th through April 3rd. Okay, okay. We're back. And Jessica, I think this might be a first. I think we might have to call on the podcast adjudication board in order to give you a point. What is happening? I don't deserve a point in this at all. Because I said that we're gonna be there were gonna be two perpetrators, and I thought we were gonna get Eve coming back. Eve was never seen from again. That actress just had to come in for that one day to do that <laughs> one monologue. And then never seen again. To, to be fair, Penelope was never seen again either. So I was completely wrong. No, Penelope came up like well, two I mean, or again, three but, times. Sure, but not after not after the murder. After the murder was done, nope, never saw her again. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I was right that it was Lydia. But yes. I said it, there were going to be two people doing multiple different things. No, Lydia did it all. Yeah. Oh, no, you that's not true. No, that's not true. That's not true. I'm so sorry. No, new, Lydia did it new, all this time. The new woman in town, whose name was Marion, she she Mariah. Had she had Mariah. Changed Mariah. To, sorry. So so the new woman in town, Mariah, who everybody was like, she's the devil woman. She's the, the witch. witch. She and she moved into this old house and she was trying to restore it. She actually was from the town. Her mother. She her so. Her name wasn't Mariah Osborne. Her ma- name was Marianne Wilkin, who was the daughter of Mary Wilkin. Mary Wilkin used to be the secretary for Charles, was it Weatherton or whatever, then Withers, Witherspoon? Winthrop. Winthrop. She, so Mary Wilkin was the secretary for Charles Winthrop. Charles and Mary were having an affair. Lydia found out in the past, and Lydia then framed Mary as stealing her necklace and then colluded with the prosecuting attorney 
who eventually became Judge. What was his last name? Sorry, anyways, he became remember. the judge. He's he became dead the, now. He's dead now. Carlton, maybe. Anyways, he's the judge. Lydia colluded with the judge to make sure that Mary did time. Clinton. Clinton. There you go. <laughs> Mary, oh boy. So Lydia colluded with the judge to make sure that Mary did time. Mary got out of prison, left town, never came back. But then when Mariah came back, Mariah, who was actually named Marianne, was looking to exonerate her mother. So she did go to Lydia and Charles's safe to try and find the necklace to prove that that it had never been stolen. Yeah. Well, the necklace wasn't there. But the stones from the necklace had been turned into a ring that Mary, not Mary, that Lydia was wearing, which is how Jessica caught her. And, of yeah. course, she had to kill the judge because the judge knew that they had colluded together. And Lydia had also seen Marianne flirting with the judge. So she knew that eventually the judge would tell the story. So that's why she did it. There was nobody in cahoots with. You're right. There were no cahoots. Yeah. But she's... she burned down the shed. She. Mm-hmm. To get rid of the, uh, to get yeah, rid of the evidence. Yeah, and she killed the judge. The only thing she didn't do was go into her own safe. And she saw the flowers and said, then and then she used the flowers in the end. Yeah. To get the judge. And she wore a wig. So yeah, I, I thought it was the scarf. I mean the b- most basic thing is that she was wearing a wig and she was. Um yeah. yeah. And then there were wig pieces like the hair was stuck on a nail up in the belfry mm-hmm. and somehow the cops didn't catch that. Yeah, they, it was they thought it was not a murder. They thought it was just a they they thought it was an right. accident, I guess. An is what, accident. It wasn't quite so clear weird. what Just, was happening there. Yeah, yeah it was strange. bonkers. Nevertheless. So, yes. So, my point is, you still got it right. You st- like, you're certainly a lot better than mine and Penel- my guess with Penelope. Like, you were dead on. No, oh. I don't think I was dead on, though, because, like, I didn't guess that there was an affair and that her mother. I mean, you said she's come back into town for some reason. And she's yeah. trying to investigate. She's, I think you did say, I think she's trying to figure out some information. Yeah. I mean, um, I definitely thought she was so investigating. If I'm getting a point, then you get a point. But I don't think either of us get a point. You know, I'm not going to argue. Like, I'm already behind in the rankings. I'm not going to argue and, like, let you increase your lead. Fine. <laughs> sure. You don't get a point. But, I mean, all right. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, like I really thought it was going to be. I I like I like the way Tracy did that misdirection with the oh, two there was people trying to to do the role and, you know, all about Eve, there's a little inside joke. Yes. And then we never see that actress again. And oh, poor the Penelope. Fl- all the clues, the flowers and And like the... she made like, like they she did a really good job and the show does a really good job of making everybody suspicious. Everybody yeah. was suspicious in this. Like there was enough suspicion, even though the, as the audience, you know that it's not Mariah slash Marianne. You know it's not her. They still did a good enough job of like making her suspicious enough in the world beyond just like hokey witch stuff. Like making her like, no, she had means, motive, all of that. It wasn't her, but it could have plausibly been her. And then like the insur- like the insurance guy, like he had attitude the whole time. He had no reason to have any of that attitude. No, that, he didn't. He 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 could have like he could have been as sunny and as carefree as every other friend of hers in town, and we would have been all like, "What a great stand-up insurance guy he is!" But instead, he was like, "What are you doing here? 
I'm trying. I'm the investigator on like like he was like he was leaning on her. He was acting all shifty like he was trying to hide something like that was just that's just production. And like given given this person, somebody else, like you don't know how much he's there's money involved. Who knows? Maybe it was him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I was kind of like, oh, if he knew about it, about this insurance thing, this insurance fraud, then. You know, he could be another murderer. Like, right? Oh, and, the other, and the other thing, like, <laughs> he so was Char- in on it. Charles made a great big deal about the fact. Charles Winthrop made a great big deal about the fact that he couldn't get out of his wheelchair because his leg was busted. His leg was busted, and yet we saw him step out of his wheelchair in the in the yes. very first scene we met him. And then Jessica Fletcher even catches him stepping out of his wheelchair later on. She's like, "Well, she what traps is- him." She yes, she traps him. She like leaves her purse behind, and then she comes back to get it, and she sees that he has like stood up out of his chair. So like you're like, what am I supposed to do with this clue? Maybe like maybe he is, like why is he hiding this? What else is like the like everything is just yeah. The show and there's a the whole reason. Lot, yeah, yeah. And there's a she they Tracy the writer really you know foreshadowed or you know laid some pipe with when. When Mariah goes to the hardware yes, the, store, the technical, and... the technical term is exactly laying the pipe, foreshadowing. Just let the academics use that. No, we're talking. Okay. <laughs> no, for, was... foreshadowing is exactly what it is. She was, she was. Uh, Mariah was buying paint at the store, right? And Jessica said, "Well, you know, be careful with that. It's highly flammable. It's highly flammable." And, and then, then the next insurance... thing you know, the shed goes up. The shed and goes flame. up. And the insurance guy also redid his floors. So he had, like, that's why he, he had, had the flammable stuff. stuff in there. And then, and then the Winthrops had just had their floors there's redone. There's the stairs so redone, they which is why the stairs were highly flammable urethane. It was everywhere. You're, my, somebody really needs to talk to this town about urethane safety. That's what really yes. needs to happen. Like, I hope yeah. I hope that one of the things that came out of this was that they had, like, a, a couple of town safety councils on this is how you treat hazardous <laughs> chemicals. This is how you dispose of them safely. Yeah, more great scenes from Gilmore Girls. <laughs> <laughs> City council or town council meetings. Oh, okay, there we go. <laughs> Cabot Cove and Gilmore Girls. It's the same show. What, that I think that I think that needs to happen. I, oh my god, that's it. That's the script that's going to get me noticed. I'm going to write the Gilmore Girls crossover in a Cabot Cove. Where Lorelai goes to Cabot Cove for a weekend away and she and Luke have to solve a mystery. That's the next Gilmore Girls season. Here it comes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I did forget for a second there when I said it that, oh, yeah, Cabot Cove is in Maine. Which reminded me that I remember watching this show as a kid and being like, I don't get their accents. I'm so confused. Because I think some of those actors are trying to do, honest to God, Mainer 100%, accents. 100%. Like that fire department guy, he, he had a line where I was like, it. oh, you're working it. And then another line where I was like, um. <laughs> and another, <laughs> there, was some, there was somebody else who had an accent where I was just like, that sounds an awful lot like Boston. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I remember listening to Jessica Fletcher and going, what is that? And I think somebody explained to me, my young child mind just didn't get it. Like the RP, like mm-hmm. how you're the received pronunciation, like you're supposed to be, you know, she was British, but she moved to America to escape the Blitz. So and she was 
Still We're talking about actual Angela Lansbury. Lansbury, so sorry, not Jessica Fletcher. Not Jessica Fletcher. But I do wonder. I do wonder. Like in the in the myth of Cabot Cove, like do they explain that like maybe Jessica Fletcher did move there from England or something like? Because she she's not from there. She moved there yeah. ten years ago. So I mean, she's got a pretty solid American accent, but there yeah. are times where I'm like, that is just so, and it's it's like stagey or something. I don't know. But well, she certainly earned whatever staginess she got. So yes, and she is not from Cabot Cove. That we enforce that again in this episode. Yes. Yeah. So who knows? Who, who knows? knows what's going on there? But yeah, it was fun to hear some people trying to do the Mainer, and they were they were like, "I don't want to lay it on thick. I just want it to." What, what I love though is that like people still call Jessica Fletcher the new girl in town ten years on, which seems to imply that not a lot of people move into or out of. Cabot Cove. But I'm here to tell you, if there's that many murders happening, like I don't care if people start to get suspicious and want to leave town. I start to worry about how are you refilling all of these empty positions in society? Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey. There's yeah. a lot of people coming in and out of town. <laughs> yeah. Well, and my joke was as we were watching Jessica Fletcher go up into the bell tower yes. to investigate how the judge, you know, at fell out of this window. Three, at least two times people asked Jessica Fletcher what she was doing in these places what are you yeah what are you doing here why are you interested in this it was like internationally famous murder mystery solver right (laughs) Right like lives in your town and she solves mysteries all the time in your neighborhood what the hell do you think she's doing (laughs) (laughs) that is not the mystery (laughs) one thing i forgot to one thing i forgot to say is that mariah is played by mary crosby who is the daughter of Bing Crosby. Shut the front door. Yep. Got her equity card when she was four years old. Yes, she did. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I don't know her whole story, but I thought that was fascinating. I will end on this. So the New York Times has... We'll we'll end with Angela Lansbury because, once again, RIP, great lady. Love her. And the New York Times has a really amazing obituary on her like go check it out it, it's it's fantastic and one of the things i love about it so they're talking about her her early years and how she could never she never really made it as a starlet and she's she was not interested in being a starlet but also because she wasn't really the type and she talks about this after she had an mgm contract that ended mm-hmm. she went on a national touring production of two stage plays and then she went back to movies and this i'm going to just going to quote from the new york times here But when she returned to the movies as a freelance actress, she again found herself cast as either of two types, as she put it. Bitches on wheels and people's mothers. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a quote. So I love that. That she's just like, bitches on wheels or people's mothers. (laughs) I would have loved to hear her say that out loud. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) I I want the tape of that. But there you go. I think that's great. We didn't get we didn't get any points, but we did get to visit Cabot Cove again, and that is always delightful. And we got to talk to mm-hmm. Tracy, the writer of this episode, and that was amazing too. So, all in all, even without the points, this was a win. I think this was a win. Yeah, it was it was a fantastic time. All right. Well, we'll be back soon with another great episode, and until then, see ya. We'll see you soon. Hey everybody. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. And now we want to hear from you. 
Tell us your guesses, your scores, and your suggestions for what shows we should watch next. Go to our website, cluedunitpodcast.com, or email us at cluedunitpodcast at gmail.com. Or find us on Instagram and Facebook at cluedunitpodcast, or on Twitter at cluedunit. And if you like the podcast, please rate us and review us on Spotify or Apple Podcast to help us get the word out. And maybe you'll hear your review read on the show. Want to be a Cluedunit private investigator? Leave us a few bucks at cluedunitpodcast.com and we'll send you a personalized, official Cluedunit private investigator license. Officially approved by the totally fake Podcasting Adjudication Board in their secret headquarters in a mountain outside of Squamish. We hope to hear from you soon. Because watching watching TV TV is always better better with friends. Second, second chance at the pie, second piece of the pie, second dip at the pie. I don't know what, whatever it is, but this is definitely our second show. <laughs> second dip at the chili. Seconds, <laughs> period. Seconds, elevensies, seconds, seconds. So yes, or, we're doing... I'm starting to call it NSW. Oh, for murder, she wrote. Oh. <laughs> I was sitting going, oh, what new meal have you named MSW? This is great. Is this like mid-snack wedgie? I don't know. <laughs> I'm doing that to you. <laughs> what else could what else could MSW be? Um medium spicy wasabi. Oh, yeah. yeah. I put that on everything now. Medium spicy wasabi. So yeah. <laughs> I enjoy it. Well, it takes uh, the rice up a notch. <laughs> just maybe just half a notch, because you don't want the full spicy wasabi, but the medium right. spicy wasabi medium is just spicy. Mwah, chef's kiss, so good. Yep.